Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing, and if you're not already subscribed, I suggest you do so. Whilst you're at it, why don't you leave us a review on iTunes as well, because it is highly important and we really do appreciate it down here. Also, thank you for following us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Beardmore. This podcast is at the Rugby Dungeon. And, of course, there is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the other podcast that comes from this very same studio involving me, Tim and Phil. And that is out every Monday without fail. And if that's not enough for you, there's also the Thistle Rugby Podcast, which deals with all things Scottish rugby. Now, important announcement. Today's podcast is brought to you by Sporple. Now, if you don't know who Sporple are, the easiest way to describe them is like a LinkedIn for rugby. LinkedIn, except without all the smug status updates or recruitment consultants sending you emails. In fact, it's usually just rugby players who are either moving or you know going to a different location, different country, or simply just want to showcase their talent. And then clubs that want that talent. So if you are a club and you're looking to attract new players, Sporple is second to none. Get on it immediately. And if you're a player, well, why not? What's the worst that could ha- What's the worst that could happen? Actually, don't answer that. Just get onto Sporple, get your profile on, and see where it leads. Today's interview is with Dan Leo. Now, Dan is an interesting character. Professional rugby player had a very very fine career. Played international for Samoa. However, we are talking mostly today about his role with the RPA. Towards the end of the interview, it becomes clear I've got a tremendous amount of admiration for Dan. I think his drive and his passion for what he's attempting to do right now is, quite frankly, incredible. I won't tell you much more about it. I'll let you feel your way into the interview. But uh, here is my interview with Dan Leo. I hope you enjoy it. I'm delighted to be joined today by ex-London Irish, I was going to say Claremont, but it's not, it's Perpignan, and I always get those two mixed up, Wasps player, and now RPA representative, Dan Leo. How are you, Dan? Really well, thank you. What have you been up to today? A uh, bit of last-minute Christmas shopping. Uh, like like most guys, I've left my, my, my wife's gift till uh, the yeah, very last minute, so just trying to scramble, I guess, and spending a lot, a lot of money in the process trying to get something that's, uh, <laughs> that's going to be respectable. It, there is a weird correlation, isn't there, between how late you leave it and how, how much more expensive it gets. Uh, there is, you know, and I think all of us, all of us say that we're going to do it, do it earlier this year, and you know, life creeps up on you. Um, but I've been busy. Uh, right up until yesterday, I was, uh, I was at Bristol uh, presenting uh, what we're doing uh, with the RPA. We're running out the cultural diversity program, so uh, uh, awareness program on Pacific Island uh, cultural values. Uh, we rolled out as late as uh, yesterday, and then I'll be at uh, Saracens on the uh, on the 27th. So uh, things don't really slow down in the in the rugby world, and uh, um, it's you know, this is the sort of the business business part of the season now and it's uh unfortunately no, no different for me excellent uh thomas uh, are you still with london welsh at the moment i know obviously stuff has gone on there yeah no i, I um unfortunately i got uh i got an injury um about this time last year which required six months uh six months off so i actually had to um part ways with the club uh, obviously that um my return dates uh coincided with when i when uh so, uh, and then this came up with, with the RPA and with um, what we've just launched through uh, um, an organisation with uh, Pacific Rugby Players Welfare, which is, uh, I guess, a welfare group that we really want to establish to really push some of the, you know, some of the uh, issues that Pacific Island players, you know, need need pushing. Um, so it made this seem like a sensible time to, you know, to, to make yeah. that transition out of out of the game. Now that's a good place to kick off. Really, tell me about your role within the RPA. So, I, so I subcontract to the RPA actually. 
actually work um, for a, for an organisation that, uh, that myself and uh, five other ex-Pacific Island players who live here in the UK recently established uh, six months ago called Pacific Rugby Players Welfare. Um, and we, uh, we, as I said, we've, we've partnered this year, uh, for the last six months. We've been in a partnership situation with the with the RPA, uh, really trying to provide a service that's uh, you know, hit some of the specialist needs of the Pacific Island community here. So, um, you know, the uh, the fact that we have very, um, you know, uh, a, a lack of engagement in higher education, mm. um, you know, uh, things like domestic violence are very prevalent in our communities. Um, even um, some of the communication, you know, the integration um, uh, side of things, you know, can be very difficult coming from a small Pacific Island, you know, and landing in Heathrow where, you know, um, you, you might not under, you have much of an understanding. Even for, for myself as a New Zealand-raised Samoan, I, I, uh, I struggled with a lot of the, uh, you know, the initial, um, I guess, uh, you know, challenges that were thrown at me when I first arrived here in, in, in London. And uh, we really wanted to set up an organisation uh, that um, sort of helped players navigate that, uh, that transition. Is that right? Well, can you tell me about your route into rugby? And then can you tell me, is that fairly typical for... Um, for for someone of your background, yeah, I mean, like myself, like like uh, many of the Pacific Island players over here, um, have uh, I, was, I was raised in New Zealand and uh, had had a Samoan parent and uh, and uh, and my my mother's uh, a, 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 you know a Pakeha New Zealander of uh, English English ancestry, so. Um, so uh, I, I sort of realised that at quite a young age that um, that I was never going to make the All Blacks, um, and um, you know, um, like a lot of us, well, we, we we decide, well, you know, what other countries, you know, can we get a bit of exposure for to you know to, to really push our our careers uh, our careers forward? And uh, obviously, my dad being um, being Samoan, I qualified for for both. Um, so I. Um, I took that path. I was, uh, um, you know, blessed enough to to, to get my first cap uh, at the age of 23. I actually moved to, um, to to Australia by that stage and come up through the through the Queen's Reds Academy and played one year of Super Rugby when uh, Samoa turned up on the to play Wallabies um, and had a couple of injuries and, and I got the call up. So that was really a, um, a platform really to me to, um, you know, to be able to qualify to come over here and play for, for Wasps where I, where I first came in, in 2005. Um, um, yeah, didn't know anything about uh, English rugby, really, the English uh, rugby or even European rugby, really, to um, uh, the, the environment um, before I came here. Um, the only two guys I knew on the team were probably, you know, Lawrence Delalio and possibly Josh Lucy, you know, yeah. the guys that had been involved in the in the 2003 World Cup side. Um, but you know, I didn't realise, you know, some of the guys that you know, the probably the you know the the other prevent, you know, Phil Vickery was in the team, Simon Shaw, even is there were some big names that I just you know, I guess. A lot of us growing up in New Zealand, you're blinded by what's going on with the All Blacks and, and Super Rugby, and actually we didn't really ever give, give much credit to the uh, to the European uh, competition. Um, that's probably changed a bit now with the you know the great influx of um, foreigners and, and you know uh, that have come to the competition uh, in the, probably in the last decade. Um, but I guess that was sort of the stepping stone really for me, you know, putting this organisation in place in the in the last. Uh, 12 years since I first came over here, and the you know the beginning of 2005, end of 2004, I think the number of um, foreign players and Pacific Island players definitely has uh, has doubled. Um, so um, so we wanted to make sure that you know we had the welfare um, um, I guess uh, programs in place to be able to support that uh, you know the changing um, the changing dynamics of the of the Premiership and and the, and, and French rugby, the top 14. So you've alluded to it earlier on. Uh, just go through some of the issues which occur w- with the Pacific Island players. Yeah, I mean, again, I, 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 you know, I, a lot of these lessons I'm learning. For, I've learned from personal experiences. Um, but uh, you know, as I said, you know, even for myself, when I first came here, I got stung twice. I went away on tour with Samoa. Um, I was away for three months. Uh, had my, my my residence was here, and I came back, and I had two court summonses um you know one for unpaid council tax which i didn't know anything about and uh, <laughs> the other one was for um tv you know i didn't have a tv license so um those are two things that even in new zealand we, 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 we were unaware of and um i mean naturally um i guess um you know the, 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 that transition you know from new zealand and australia is a lot easier here yeah the guys that are coming from the pacific islands you know their point of reference is very much uh very much less so um so um, you know we've got and then they've got language difficulties, um, you know even things like um, you know 
trying to get a driver's license over here. You know, in Samoa, you you know drive around the block once and they'll give you a, a full license. Whereas <laughs> over here, you know, you have to do three months of your, your written, and your practical, and all that sort of stuff. So it's very very different. And uh, a lot of guys come over here and and and, and struggle. You know, we um, and and their families, us being. Uh, you know, very family orientated people. Um, you know, if, if, and this is something I say to the clubs all the time in this program: is that if if, if, if the happy, if the families aren't happy, the players not going to be happy, and that will be reflected in not just their nature, um, but in their performance. Um, so it's very key that all, all everything's aligned. And, and I've come across players over here who have have lived here for six months, and they still haven't been able to find schools for their kids because they don't know the areas, they don't understand, you know, what Ofsted and all that sort of stuff is. Um, so they, you know, so they so they struggle. And quite often, um, as the case is, the, the family won't settle, so they'll just, you know, the, the wife and the children will move back to the islands and then the, the player will stay here um, and that again you know opens up another whole lot of uh, problems because then you know the, with the time difference they're ringing up yeah. home at four o'clock in the morning to try and Skype their parent, uh, their kids while they're, while they're awake and then uh, you know obviously that has a, a massive impact, impact on their performance again um, and how they tra- how they're you know able to train so um that's a whole lot of things I mean that's we're really scra- you know scraping the surface and you know in this, in this conversation but um, yeah, there's I mean a whole lot of you know issues that you know not just transition re, but uh, even in the way that we communicate, um, you know the um, the use of eye contact, for instance, is, is very different uh, um, in, um, in the Pacific than it is here. You know, if I'm speaking to a coach or a, you know a teacher or someone that I respect, I wouldn't necessarily look at, look them in the eye when they were talking to me. Whereas oh. over here, if I if I didn't look you in the eye when I was speaking to you, you'd probably see that as a lack of engagement, yeah. or you know, uh, it'd be weird um, and probably quite rude. Um, so th- those sorts of things can be misconstrued and, 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 and taken and, uh, out of context. They can, you know, can be, um, yeah, I, I guess, just you know, misread um, and cause issues. Um, which, uh, you know, f- and, uh, you know, I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to see that changing. If we can increase the understanding, um, you know, um, in, in certain areas like that, um, then it's only going to help um, with the performance of. of the- of these guys, and not just the Pacific Island players, but you know the, the, the you know the increase of you know the teams of the if, if, if the communication between them and their fellow players is you know is, is clear and as clear cut and, and understood, then it's going to benefit the you know the, not just the individuals but the team and the club going forward. Yeah. So that's really interesting, actually, because you know I came into this interview thinking you know the main you know the major issues, the ones you hear in the news, you know, um, lack of payment for international games or rest of it, but actually. It's far more basic than that, and it's far more, um, you know, it's these small fundamental day-to-day things which you're saying is the bigger impact. It is because I guess uh, you know those. If we can deal with those, those you know those as you say, those one percenter uh, issues, they all lead to you know the bigger issues that that you know the headline issues. So mm. uh, for instance, you know uh, we've got. Um, you know, a high rate of um, you know Pacific Island players commit you know uh, um, you know on field you know uh, dis- discipline, uh, poor discipline poor disciplinary uh, records on the field. You know, and that's I think um, you know a lot of the time a way that we use you know an outlet for frustration can be you know um, in the game. So rather than um, you know I, I guess ver- verbalising our frustrations, a lot of Pacific Islanders don't do that very well, and so we act them out physically. Whether it be you know uh, you know on, on the field um, or you know off the field, uh, you might have had a few 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 too many drinks and your inhibitions are lowered, and you know the first guy that you know looks at you the wrong way or um, that's an outlet or, or road rage or something like that. But if you scale it back, there's always a reason behind. Yeah. All of that behave, all that sort of behaviour, um, and even the you know the payment issues. You know the the, the reason that that the, 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 there's such a huge you know uh, disparity in payment issues is because in our cultures we just don't talk, we don't speak up, and actually you know um, the you know the, the English players, for instance, you know and, you know back in when rugby went first went professional, very vocal and saying, look, this isn't good enough. You guys are earning X amount of money. We 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 require a share of that. Whereas in our culture, we wouldn't necessarily as players would be would be frowned upon if we were to have that sort of conversation with our elders and with our with our leaders. Um, so there's a cultural block in all of that as well, which you know needs to needs to be addressed. And why is that? Is that like a respect thing? Yeah, it is. It is massively. You know, our, our culture is built on respect um, of, of elders, and from a young age, um, you you know you 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 you're almost beaten into submission to to adhere to that uh, hierarchical culture. Um, so um, so it's and it's very much there's a vicious cycle going on at, at the moment that's uh, that's hard to break out of because you know we um, the problem is what I've seen in the past and. Uh, 
a lot of the Pacific Island you know issues are based upon this is that you know you're treated poorly while you're a young player coming up through the system and then the guys that make it into that administrational level afterwards who have come through they almost see it as their their chance to get their own back and then uh... so they end up treating the young guys you know the only way that they know which is the way that they've been treated and it just goes round and round in circles so I guess you know and hopefully in setting up this organization this is a chance for us to say actually no we're going to stop the rot now we're going to stop that cycle and actually we you know we can't continue if we're going to compete as you know as professional you know top t- really break you know out of you know the, that sort of poverty mindset we need to we need to look at you know how we're how we're you know how we are addressing things and from a cultural aspect and, and that means ourselves changing um then that's what has to happen i see okay so i mean i guess with the bigger clubs say a saracens or someone it's fairly straightforward because they want to get the best out of their players and they will help integrate the players as far as possible. I assume that your biggest challenge is communicating with the guys that are playing maybe championship or a national one. Yeah, definitely. I think, as you say, you know, the guys that have made the premiership or the or the top fourteen are the ones that are probably the most, uh, you know, the, the most well off and uh, looked after the best. They've got team managers, and uh, you know, probably they're earning a lot of money for their agents, so their agents are probably a bit more interested. Yeah, uh, in, 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 in providing them a good a good service. It is. You're right. It's those guys at that next level down that uh, really, uh, um, you know, the, you know, the ones that would like to, you know, create a service for. Um, and that's similar, similar with the RPA. At the moment, the RPA only provide a service to the to the Premiership, whereas you know the guys at London Welsh that we talked about at the start, you know, are probably the ones you know that have got the most contractual issues. And I'm pretty sure that the RPA and the RFU have stepped in to help them out. Um, but um, for us. For rugby players, well, for us, we've got 400 uh, players um, um, over, in, uh, over in France, and only probably about 100, 120 of those are in the top division. So that's another wow. 300, you know, almost 300 uh, from divisions two down to five. Um, and you hear some horror stories. We just had a uh, uh, really uh, tragically had a player, uh, a young Fijian guy, take his life uh, about three or four weeks ago. Um, and that really just um, highlights, you know, the importance of us getting in there uh, as soon as possible and uh, really trying to, you know, implement, um, you know, uh, a, a program that is really going to, you know, A, that's going to be beneficial with these guys, but, um, you know, um, but B, that, it's gonna, that they're going to engage with. Um, and that's the important part of it. You know, we could go in there, you know, um, with, with any um, amount of, you know, welfare um, models that currently exist, but are the guys engaging with it? That's the you know that's the that's the big question. Um, it's got to be for me. You know, a lot of these problems are cultural problems that require mm. cultural solutions, and uh, that's why I guess we, we sort of the angle that we're trying to trying to trying to come from. And who do you think is in the best position to help? Like organisations like yourself, or is it an onus or maybe clubs having a bit more understanding with the integration of these players, or maybe even people like the agents? I mean, I, it strikes me like an agent would be in a particularly good position if they were a specialist. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, like um, the the agents are, are a, a, a big group that we need to continue working with. Um, you know, we've, uh, over here in the Premiership, I've had really good, uh, good, good, good discussions with with agents, um, and uh, actually ran the uh, the awareness workshop uh, to all of the agents who have to come together uh, a couple of times a year uh, to get accreditation, um, and that's something that well, I guess we'd like to work uh, continue working on an individual basis with them, just upskilling them, yeah. um, and you know, in the requirements that you know that their, that their Pacific Island players might have that might be different from say their English player or South African player or French player. Um, uh, even um, the other organisations that you know that we need to continue working with are obviously the existing players associations, um, and then and then the clubs the clubs themselves. You know the clubs, um, I guess, um, you know um, need to be um, and the, the, the clubs and the organisations. So when I talk about the organisations, are you know the RFU, uh, the, the uh, FFR, um, would like to be able to work with them. Um, really, just um, I guess addressing some of the issues. And obviously, there's a, a funding requirement uh, that's there as well to really roll out these uh, these programs that um, that would would you know would like some assistance with as well. Okay, so we spoke briefly about family earlier. How much mm. pressure is there on the lads that come over and? make it big time say if you are i'm just trying to think of an example now um a nicky gonover type 
Yeah, yeah, lots, lots, and um, you know, probably more on um, on certain players than others. You know, I, I, I only had one Samoan parent, so uh, so there was a lot less pressure on me than someone like, as you say, like uh, Nikki, who's you know, has got you know, from uh, born and raised in, in Fiji, and you know, got two, you know, very wide family to support, and a lot of the guys over here, you know, the, the range is, is, is massive. I mean. I've spoken to guys who who send up, up to seventy five percent of their of their of their salaries wow. uh, back back to the islands, um, and 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 very much you know sometimes to, to their own detriment. You know, you you walk around, you, you go into these guys' places, and and and, and you, you you can't believe that you know that they're that they're on you know commanding the salaries that they have because they've got you know they've got nothing. They just um, they you know nothing's being spent on themselves. It's all or their families. It's just all going back to to support the villages and, and the families. And one guy, you know, I mean. That, it's a lot, lot more pressure, and uh, um, there's there's a couple of guys uh, in, in in Europe who are supporting entire villages, you know, two or three hundred people, um, and that's a lot more pressure on those on those kind of people if they, uh, you know, if he has an injury or a loss of form, um, you know, it can be uh, can be tough tough to deal with. That's amazing. So, if you come across a story, say, I mean, I'm not going to give a an individual case, but one of these mm. lads moving from, I don't know, a club where he's been successful and then picking up mega bucks in France. It's not simply a case of they just want you know, a bigger pension pot. It's actually far more fundamental than that. It is, you know, and um, as us as Pacific Islands, we actually don't see that, you know, that pressure um, or that, you know, that expectation to send money home um, in, in forms of remittances as a, as, a, as a negative. We actually see it as a positive um, because it's, um, you know, I guess our, you know, our our makeup is so so uh, community focused, um, so family focused. So actually, it's a way that we can remain present in our communities without actually being there physically. Um, and the way that you know the, the difference, I guess, over here is that you know, um, say, and this is this is a massive generalisation, yeah, but um, you know, but um, you know, in, in first world countries, you know, you you, you 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 can earn respect through you know you know having a good job or you know um, being successful in, in in your in your field or, or educating yourself. Um, um, those are those are you know the traditional ways you know that uh, that you'd be i guess um you know be re- respected uh, here as for us as Pacific Islands are very different. It's, you wouldn't get necessarily get respect through what you've done um, or what you know what job you have or how much money you've got. It's actually having those strong links with your family and your and your community. So the people that are most respected in our communities are the ones that have looked after their you know their villages, their clans, um, the best. Um, and and in a lot of ways, that's an insurance policy for us. So a lot of you know a lot of the players here that I talk to have got no insurance, um, no um, no no health insurance apart from oh. what the um, the RPA or the RFU. Um, supply the, the bare minimum um, and then their insurance policy is that you know the, the fact that they've been sending all their money home and you know we look after our family's home and then you know our families when we one day when we return there um, they'll look after us uh, that's the mentality here um, the problem the problem with that is that uh, you know in unforeseen circumstances a lot of the guys end up staying over here and because I've sent uh, everything home and you know to, to support those families um, they can never actually get the return on that and um, they and because they haven't invested in their lives you know uh, um, and their livelihoods over here um, it might be for any you know reason their kids might be you know be educated here might have an op- uh, an op- uh, university opportunity and they might want to stay here long term they haven't actually planned for that so they end up panicking or going into very low-skilled um, and low-paid jobs, which uh, um, can be hard to, you know, to sustain that, um, you know, the life, the, uh, the life um, of here. It can be a very difficult uh, life here in the in the UK if you haven't got a, a good job and, 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 and you know, not earning very good money. Yeah, that's that's really really interesting, because I, well, as you're talking, I'm thinking, well, these guys need to be educated to look after themselves more, but that isn't the culture. I mean, the culture is to look after everyone else. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, we've got the, and, and this is a, a real concern of mine, I guess, and something that we'd like to change. We've got the lowest uh, um, engagement with uh, things like h- higher education and stuff. And I think, on average, the uh, you know the average um, Premiership rugby player uh, retires. You know, I think about 27, 28 percent of uh, players finish with uh, you know with some sort of you know uh, higher education, whether it be a degree or diploma. Mm. In the Pacific Island communi- uh, communities, I've just worked out it's, it's about four percent. Um, so um, and. Higher education is not for everyone. I understand that, but um, I guess what we'd like to see and develop um, as part of the program is more uh, hands-on, practical skills being, um, you know, being uh, 
being provided to these guys, you know, <clears throat> the Fijian and, and Samoan guys, for instance, you know, they, they say to me, look, we, we, you know, going into the city and, and, and have, getting work experience and, and finance isn't going to help us if we ever go back to Fiji. You know, we need practical, practical skills, how to build some furniture or, uh, um, you know, uh, install a you, tap yeah. is going to be more beneficial for us than, uh, you know, than the tradition, what the traditional, uh, I guess, uh, rugby playing population over here, you know, who've generally have a private school uh, ed- education uh, although that is changing um, and you know some sort of you know um, uh, some sort of uh, further um, education on top of that so there must be a real conflict then between because the OPA offers great opportunities I think they're one of the yep. best organizations out there for mm. professional yep. sports so when they're saying look come and do a business degree the people who engage with you are saying, no, 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 we need to do carpentry or bricklaying or plumbing or something like that. Yeah, and, and I mean, the uh, as you say, you know, the RPA is doing some very good stuff, uh, some very good work, and they, they actually some of these kind of opportunities do exist but um you know the whole model of communication um you know between you know we we as cultural we don't even you know there's a there's still a lack of engagement with some of the services that are being provided f- from the rpa so um you know traditionally the you know the rpa is is most beneficial to p- to players who are actually going to go out and you know connect with their with their player development managers at yeah. the clubs and go out looking for those opportunities whereas um our guys probably don't see the value in it uh, through their careers because they think oh i'm just going to go back and you know Back to New Zealand or back to back to, back to somewhere, and actually, you know, um, I was probably one of those guys. You know, it wasn't until sort of six six months, you know, when I when I got that injury that I spoke to you about, you know, uh, at London Welsh. I actually thought, flip, I could, you know, I'm I'm, I'm married to an English girl here now. We've got a kid together. I probably will be staying here for you know, uh, for the foreseeable future. So I need to, you know, have some sort of plan for when I come out of this out of this game at the end. Okay, so just give me a bit more background then. I mean, what uh, for a player coming over from, say, Samoa? Um, I mean, what is the average income in in Samoa? Oh, very low. <clears throat> I think um, you know the. Um, I think it's about probably if you if you converted the average income will probably be about three three or four thousand pounds a year, if that. Mm. Um, the lifestyle is very different. You don't have uh, hardly anyone has a mortgage. Um, if you you can live off the land, you know traditionally we've lived off you know uh, the land and, and the sea. Um, so there's very little uh, uh, poverty, um, although it's you know it is increasing as uh, as this, you know sort of western as we become more westernised in our uh, in our mentalities. Um, and is know, that because uh, like the uh, demand for certain you know consumer goods <coughs> is increasing and that costs more so? Yeah, and it's it's almost it's almost like a downward like a downward spiral. Yeah, you've got you've got and you've got multinational, you know, uh, multi-million, you know, uh, sorry, multinational companies coming and, and sort of almost dumping a lot of their you know their offcuts. So the very you know we get the worst you know the highest uh, sugar you know um, products you know all the fizzy drinks all the um, the high you know really junk food is very cheap and it makes it very you know um, and makes it very hard for the local uh, produce to compete. Um, on that level, so what you've what you've got uh, now is uh, very high levels of uh, obesity um, in, in the Pacific. I think out of all the you know in, in all the world, you've got sort of you know I think the top three um, obese nations are Pacific Island nations, really? um, which which is, which is worrying. And obviously, you know we're we're, we're bigger in terms of our uh, body mass index um, anyway. You know all the guys. Um, you know, muscle mass, for instance, isn't you know is, isn't uh, I guess probably properly measured through through the BMI, um, but um, yeah, it is worrying the stats, and you know a lot of a lot of guys struggle with that. So that's a, you know an example is you know after after our careers, a lot of guys within sort of five years of their career, you wouldn't recognise them because guys will go from 100 kilos to 130 kilos <laughs> very very quickly, and um, you know that's not everyone obviously, but um, there are there is a high rate of that. So again, it's something you know, that we need to look at you know influencing our program is that you know that transition out of rugby so i've not just in terms of you know providing jobs and having a fun being able to look after your financial even physically you know um different different struggles whereas the majority of english guys i know when they when they stop playing they drop 10 or 20 kilos uh, yeah. we we tend to we tend to go the other way well uh, <laughs> this sounds like a horribly patronizing question but um we were talking about higher education before when the lads come over from from the islands are they uh, is the education level high enough for them to immediately engage in a university course um depends what what their background is really um a lot of us uh a lot of pacific island kids who 
crack it in, uh, at the top level um, have, have been offered scholarships uh, from a very young age to schools in New Zealand, Australia, who yeah. haven't really cared about their education. You know, they're only there to play rugby and eat their lunch. Um, so that sort of aspect, although that's slightly starting to change again, there's still, you know, there's still remnants now of, of guys who just haven't valued um, education probably, you know, as, as, as much as they should. So um, the levels, are, yeah, the levels of, um, of schooling are, are quite low, but um, possibilities, I guess, exist around that to, you know, provide bridge uh, courses that can sort of, um, I guess, bridge that gap between, you know, between low education levels and being able to um, go into into a university uh, level course. So how do the uh, Australian and New Zealand schools, because I've heard about this quite a lot, how do they go about scouting lads? Um, I mean, is this quite prevalent? If I was to go to a game in Tonga or Fiji, would I mm. actively see scouts? How does it all work? Yeah, you'll see, you'll see scouts. Um, they might, you might not spot them because they'll just look like tourists and they're sort of mixed in, you know, amongst uh, everyone. But um, a lot of the times, it's when school tours go over to New Zealand and Australia as well. That's when they'll all come come around. So Australia might host, the, you know, the uh, the the Pacific, you know, the Oceania um, schoolboys uh, competition yeah. uh, there, or have touring teams come over and, uh, for exposure, and, and that's when they'll really pick them up. You know, they'll pick the cream of the crop and offer them offer them scholarships there and actually you know it's um that's something that's you know um really important i guess because because there's not as many educational opportunities in the islands that you know um that's something that's actively encouraged for you know by by parents is you know go over there play play well and you might get this opportunity to go over there and uh and really uh, you know and, and and study and you know hopefully um be in a position in a few years to you know get a good job and be able to you know help provide uh, for the, for the rest of the family you sound slightly conflicted about the about the scholarship system, am I right in saying that? Yeah, and that's. I mean, <clears throat> even the the you know the world rugby eligibility uh, laws that are coming through, um, you know, are tough because obviously you want to see a stronger Samoa, Tonga, and Fiji. Uh, I've got no doubt about that, but I'd hate it to come at the uh, expense of you know um, Pacific Islanders not being able to get rugby. Mm. contracts over over here or you know or scholarship opportunities i you know i don't think the way is to say you know is to come down and say look uh to australia and new zealand schools you can't give any more scholarships to these to these kids in the islands because um that you know um is <laughs> beneficial as that might be you know for for, for our for our rugby teams um it wouldn't be beneficial for our countries and, and for our for our economies and and for people's families um, going forward, I think education's got to be, you know, the, the, the forefront of, of our thinking for for our players and those opportunities. But uh, the, the types of edu- you know of, of, of scholarships, I guess, as I said, you know, as I led, alluded to earlier, where they're just there to literally just to play rugby, um, that's got to be that's got to be stamped out. You know, I think if you're going to offer a player a scholarship to come from the Pacific over to your school, you've got to make sure. They leave, you know, with with an education behind them, yeah. uh, which isn't necessarily uh, what's happening uh, at the moment. Do you think it's almost like the American college system, where a lot of lads get away with a lot of things just because they're good at sport? Yeah, in the, I think in the college system, you still have to be making the grades to be able to uh, to be able to play football. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, otherwise I'd, I would have envisaged a lot more local players from the Pacific would be going over to to play. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. American football as well. Most of the universe, I think, if not all of them, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a minimum mark that you have to achieve before you can step across the, you know, the, uh, the line onto the, onto, the, onto the sports field. And uh, perhaps that's something that we need to look at and start, you know, talk to World Rugby about, you know, enforcing and, 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 and rugby. That's really interesting, actually. So what would be your proposal there? 
Uh, I'd have to have a bit more of a thought about it. Actually, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, just, come just make up some policy on the spot, please, Dan. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, no, there's definitely scope, you know. And these these sorts of um, thought, you know, the thought process need to be developed, you know, and, um, because it's, as as we said earlier, it's all these one one or two percenters that add to you know the the, the bigger the bigger issues of um, of Pacific Island rugby and the reason why we're you know we're providing 18 percent of all all professional players in the world at the moment, but our national side just trapped down at. Uh, you know, 14th, 15th, and 16th, something like that. You know, it's um, the two don't the two don't really add up. So, yeah. Uh, you know, if we can if we can start addressing all of these these things, and there's no one big issue when it comes to Pacific Island rugby that I could point to a thing and say that's the reason. You know, it's not because you know the, you know the All Blacks had 16 Samoan qualified players in their team in 2011, or you know England, you know, have got four or five Pacific Islands. There's there's, there's no there's no reason, you know. I don't think it's anyone in the movie. It's, it's, it's a combination of all of those reasons together that we need to be addressing, um, yeah. which is a lot more a lot more difficult, I think, than just saying, look, um, we're going to change the eligibility rules from three years to five years. So actually, we've got to scale it right back and almost start from the beginning um, and, and, and start. You know, it's, it's, it works from you know from grassroots how grassroots rugby is being run in, in the Pacific to you know the fact that all of these you know we don't have a, a good enough education so uh, system in Samoa, so so kids are leaving to go to scholarships um, elsewhere to you know to get educated um, but you've got to look that far back I don't think by looking at you know at the you know the results and and and, and the and the issues and the, and the and tier tier one rugby you know the, that top level is, is looking far back enough I think we need to be a bit slightly more uh, sort of big picture focused I see okay now do you see the uh, taking of the young talent from the islands do you see that as um, beneficial because obviously they get the coaching and the education and all the rest of it. And mm. I, th- I think we have on that slightly. Do you also see it as as also taking you know your brightest and best? Yeah, I mean there's, there there is a I guess a brain drain that, that occurs you know in the Pacific, not just you know in terms of you know the, the brightest and best, but definitely from a physical uh, point of view. Um, and that's make, making it harder for you know for, for us to compete. Um, it's make it harder for local teams to compete. I know the uh, the the Samoan Sevens team, like you know, for instance, I think Gordon Titchens has got a massive job on his hands going forward because um, you know, in a, in a, in a, on an island like Fiji, uh, sorry, a group of islands like Fiji where they've got a population of a million people, it's slightly more sustainable. Um, Samoa is a country of just over two hundred thousand. Is that Tonga, it? And Tonga is a country of about a hundred thousand people. So we don't have the vast amounts of talent that we're producing to be able to uh, sustain, you know, top, you know, international rugby teams and, and sevens programs and, and be able to, uh, to you know, um, and, and lose that amount of players. So, um, so you know, we've we've got to look at look at these things, as you said, you know, and um, you know. As I touched on earlier, it's about scaling it right back, I think, and looking at you know why the guys leave, mm-hmm. um, and and how we can you know how we can compete, offer service that compete, you know, whether it be you know offering you know um, x amount of money for them to you know play so that so there's not this disparity in the you know in, in the fact that you know the Fijian guys get four hundred pounds to play against England, uh, Tukinum, and you know the English players get you know twenty thousand pounds plus. Yeah. Those are all the little things that you know we've got to look at um, in combination before we, I think we'll ever see a change. In the, in the in the current uh, scenario, uh, you just talk, spoke about the populations there of all the of all the islands. What was the inter-island relationship like? Because I know they had a Pacific Islands team at one point. I think it's coached by Pat Lam actually. Um, mm. Are there big cultural differences between all of them? Yeah, I was actually involved in that team, uh, that Pacific Islands team in 2006 and uh, nine when when Pat was the Pat was the coach. Um, it was a great concept, and I'd like, love to see it uh, come back. Um, historically, um, I mean, there's been you know a, a lot of interaction between between the islands, and um, not, you know some of it good, some of it bad. You know, um, Fiji and Tonga have both um, have both colonised Samoa and. Uh, uh, in parts of history, you know, in the, over the last couple of thousand years, um, and vice versa, you know. So there are those, you know, inter-tribal sort of links, warfare, and then a lot of, you know, family links as well. Um, you know, there was trade routes going between the islands for, you know, for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years before before uh, before settlers came to the Pacific. Um, but nowadays, I guess, in terms of in, in a in a rugby context, um, things are, from what I I can understand are sort of at a you know a bit of a standstill in terms of communication and the cooperation that's uh, being experienced. I think they um, sort of rather than seeing things as a coll- from a collective uh, sort of, you know, um, you know, power and unity, they, they almost see each other as threats. Um, 
and uh, I was actually saddened to see uh, um, at the uh, at the start of, at the start of the year we uh, we lost our one seat that we had uh, between Samoa Tonga and Fiji. Actually, uh, none of them could none of none of the unions could vote uh, um, for each other or compromise. So the seat actually went to uh, to the head of um, to uh, to the to the Papua New Guinean Rugby Union, which um, is uh, isn't even a two, tier two country. I don't even know if I've got even one professional rugby player but they're now the maybe major rugby decision. league but, but... but yeah but they're now the major decision maker in the in that part of the world when it comes to rugby union and uh, and, and 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 having the influence on the world rugby board so um that all comes down to you know um the fact that there's lots of infighting and uh you know and uh, and gossip and stuff and stuff going on between the unions and they just can't see eye to eye in terms of you know what they want to do and rather than seeing you know, as an opportunity to come together and actually be a force in, in world rugby, I think that you know they're happy enough just to sort of you know continue to be divided and really just tr- fight over scraps. So, how much um, culpability can be placed on, say, the union? So, we spoke about the disparity in payments: four hundred quid for the uh, Fijian players, twenty thousand for the England players uh, in an international. Can mm. you put some of the blame of that disparity on, say, the Fijian rugby union? Oh yeah, I'd say a lot of the blame goes onto you know onto our onto our own unions. Um, you know they're just not even you know, they're not on the in the, having those conversations uh, f- for their players um, because that's a, those ultimately these are contracts that someone in our union uh, along you know in, in history has, has entered into and thought that you know um, whether you know blinded by other you know incentives I don't know but um, somewhere down the you know down the line someone's put pen to Pen to paper, um, and, and you know, and, and haven't put the players, you know, the players' needs first, and continue to the state are still not willing to have those conversations to push, you know, for, for more. And um, I was actually, you know, um, quite close to a lot of the players, and you know, um, around that uh, situation, I was disappointed um, by uh, it, um, Ian Ritchie's uh, comments that it wasn't um, World uh, England Rugby's, um, I guess, responsibility. To, uh, to 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 sort out payments for for the Fijians. I know it's it isn't. He's he's probably technically right, but I just thought such a great opportunity, um, you know, for for England for the RFU to do something good for the game and really come out of it looking really good, and not just for themselves, but for the game. You know, we, we, we're looking we're looking at all these ways to expand the game. You know. P- p- putting hundreds of millions into you know into expanding the horizons of where we play the game. But you know something so small, a token gesture of you know of, of friendship with uh, you know to someone like from England to Fiji, I think would have been you know would have um, would have spoken a lot a lot a lot louder and clearer to a lot of people about what our actual values are in rugby, as opposed to just going in and you know, trying to you know as I said you know punt, put 150 million pounds into into the development of rugby in China. I think I think we need to start looking after our small unions, um, you know mm. that already play the game uh, better I think there'll be a lot more a, a better advertisement than just throwing you know throwing cash around yeah I, I guess it's really I guess it's really complex isn't it because I mean as you said a token it, it would have been a token gesture you know you would have been playing mm. you would have been paying the, the best players in Fiji an amount of money uh, and that's fine but it is a it is a one-off I mean the way I say it is the unions need help with their administration rather than anything else and almost uh, a, a bit more of a professionalisation process. Yeah, they do. And let's just say, um, I think if World Rugby wanted to clean up Pacific Rugby, they could. You just, as you said, you just agree, put yeah. somebody. You just, you just put somebody that was unaffiliated to the unions in place, and all of the money that you, that goes through the islands, everything gets signed off. You know, um, through 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 an independent party. Um, some you know some of that would you know make sure that everything was accounted for properly, um, but I get the feeling that you know the powers that be and I won't be popular, and probably you know won't help me out, but uh, quite happy to see the islands in disarray and wasting money and you know and and you know adhering to you know corrupt sort of you know processes and that sort of stuff because it's very easy for them to turn around and say well we don't have to give them any money we can't give them any more money because they've wasted what we've given to them in the past um, yeah. and that's probably that's and that's understandable but you know i think you know i'd like to see them actually work with the unions a bit more to really change those processes get you know um accounts you know accountants and who are who are capable get uh, you know get fully transparent uh, processes in place so that actually you know um it's irresponsible just to, just to you know to give somebody you know one or two you know two, two million pounds and you know and, and not have all of those processes in place i, I think yeah I completely agreed so two follow-on questions from that um how well funded are the unions in the pacific islands and where does the money go 
Uh, <laughs> I can. I think I can answer the first. I probably can't answer the second. I just I don't think anyone knows the answer to the second. Um, but, but we're we're quite well funded. You know, World Rugby does put a, a fair bit of money towards you know just towards especially towards high performance um, in, the, in the in the Pacific. I know they've just built uh, in Samoa. They've just built a uh, a whole new. Um, uh, gym facility, which you know, it's got uh, you know fields, uh, accommodation for for players should they need it, uh, and stuff like that. So um, we can't complain about you know the amount of money that's uh, that's being put in. Um, the issue would be is you know actually there's probably a lot more being put in that we don't know where it's going and we don't know where that's going. We don't see the fruits of that, um, and that's uh, as I said that's that's a worry because you know sometimes the investment might be there, but it's the uh, the way that um, that that's being used that's probably a bit questionable. Uh, so why, what do you think it is? What do you think the blocks are preventing World Rugby from just saying, look, uh, here is an administrator, I don't know, someone from the RFU or you know, someone from the New Zealand Rugby Union parachuting them in and just running the unions? Why, 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 why can't that happen? Oh, this is, this is a question that we had as players in 2014 when uh, you know, we went through Samoa United campaign, which was actually aimed at trying to get more trans- financial transparency out of the Samoa Rugby Union. And if you remember, you know, we were very close to striking a game here in, uh, against England uh, in 2014 as a team because we felt like we were desperate and we had no other you know, solution bar you know, not playing. That was the only real power that we felt we had. Uh, and one of the questions that came up through that in our discussions with World Rugby was, you know, well, you know, either put people in place that can use this money properly or don't give them any money at all. It would be better to, to not send, you know, these guys any money at all than send the money and then misuse it because it just, you know, it worsens our image and the perception that the public have. And it just, you know, and everything follows on from, from there. Um but um, so, what was the what was the start of the question again? Uh, so yeah, why won't World Rugby do? Why won't World Rugby put these people in place? Mm, that's right. Yeah. So um, one thing that came back to me in that communication process with World Rugby back in 2014 was that um, World Rugby um, member unions are sovereign member unions. So they would say we don't have the power to go in and you know sack the CEO or you know or the or the finance people. Um, and, and put in our own in our own people we can only make recommendations um, that may be the case but that for me that was disappointing and wasn't good enough um, I, I, you know when we're talking we're, we're talking about millions and millions of pounds that have yeah. been spent there um, you know and this is ultimately public money that's been generated by by the rugby, you know, rugby community, um, and and they're and they're shepherds of that. So the fact that there weren't, you know, tr- you know uh, proper place to, you know, to make sure the money was being channeled in the right direction was uh, very disappointing, uh, in my opinion. And that hasn't changed to this. Point. You don't think there's an element of it at all? For instance, if they parachuted someone in from the RFU, they could be accused of, of racism or appropriation or some something like that which might which might be stopping them also possibly could could be i know um i know ben ryan's uh just talking about you know pushing a case to have the uh exactly the same thing you know to have a separation of the fijian sevens from the fiji, uh program from the fijian rugby union just because of you know the the, the, the misappropriation of, of, of funds and you know and, and and mismanagement so um there are strong cases for it i don't know how ben's going to get on with that um but you know I'm, I'm totally supportive of those sorts of uh, of those sorts of um i guess uh you know proposals because something needs to change and if we yeah. can't change them for ourselves you've got to get people in who could do those you know this is as i said there's a heck of a lot of money at um you know at play here and um and 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 a national for for us as pacific islands our, our national a lot of our economy the money that's generated our economy is come, come to the, the welfare and the, and the well-being of the of the national rugby team you know tell me how else you've ever heard of Samoa, you know apart from you know from from the rugby team i'm the disney uh, other people have so it's so it's in their interests you know these politicians who are running our our union it's actually in their best interests for their for the you know for their electorates uh, that um you know that they do the best thing for the Samoan rugby team because the better the Samoan rugby team's doing the more tourists are going to come the more you know you know, high, high standing we're going to have in the world. You know, um, you know, I guess in terms of our, you know, our recognition. Um, but they're very short-sighted, and it's all about you know um, looking after me first. And you know, there's no long-term plan. Um, and the 
these unions they don't have a um, you know a five-year or ten-year plan like like the tier one nations you know New Zealand's and your England's do it's all about you know it's a very it's all very hand-to-mouth so you know if we can get you know if we can get a little bit out of this here and there we'll, we'll, we'll take it and uh, there's no as I said there's no projection of sort of moving forward which again needs to needs to be addressed it is crazy isn't it I mean mm. it, it's I mean the thing which confuses me is it's fine to get a Pacific Islander player and train him and teach him about you know Northern Hemisphere rugby etc etc but there's no way to do it with the administrators I mean you'd, you'd think a very simple workaround would be better training for administrators exactly and uh, and this you know is for, for, for a lot of guys is a big put off for them wanting to commit themselves to play for Samoan rugby or Fijian rugby or Tongan you know Tongan rugby union so this backline, all of us, you know, we all understand this as players. We know that that's the sort of stuff that's going back on in our, in our own unions. So why would you want to play for for a union that's going to, you know, that you know is going to mess you around? Probably not going to pay for your insurance. Probably, you know, probably going to ask, you know, um, you know, not going to give you, you know, they, we, they still announce the team on Facebook. You know, they're not going to give you a face to face call if you if you haven't even made the, you know, made the team. So these are all Amazing. issues that guys guys look at and they just don't want to be associated with that. So you can change the eligibility rules. It um, is and, for, and force guys to you know to play you know to play for, for Fiji or someone or But unless you change the circumstances on the other end, you know, you, you don't want pe- people to play for, for for the Pacific Islands because they have to. You want them to play for you know for them because they want to. And if you can get that scenario, you're going to get a performance out of them. If they're just playing because they can't play for anybody else, I don't think you know, I don't think we're going to ever improve. That's you know that's uh, again I keep saying that's absolutely fascinating because it is absolutely fascinating. I mean, the argument over here, and we have this argument on our other podcast, is oh the um, eligibility criteria are wrong, and you know it should be longer. And but actually, some of these lads, someone like Nathan Hughes, um, I mean, his motive m- might not necessarily be I just want more more money. It might be I don't want to be messed around by a union that doesn't have my best interest at heart. It, it's nowhere near as simplistic as people are making out regarding the eligibility no, exactly. criteria. Exactly. You know, and um, even around the eligibility, you know, you might increase the, the, the eligibility to five years. As, but does that just mean that, you know, club, you know, clubs are starting to bring players, you know, over younger? Yes. Um, um, and, and if they are, you know, I, I know from, from experience that, um, you know, that socially, um, in terms of our social and, uh, you know, um, educational development, bringing over, you know, bringing over a 15-year-old Samoan kid straight from the islands, you know, is like... You know, it's like over a twelve-year-old here because we, you know, we 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 don't have that, you know, that social development um, mm. that you have a that, you, that kids have your experience. So it'd be very irresponsible to, you know, to to make that decision to change the eligibility rules and not have the welfare, um, you know, processes in place to, to be able to deal with very young guys, you know, um, that you know physically they look like they could be playing rugby. Um, but but men, you know, but mentally and socially, that you know, very still very uh, inept. Um, so that's my worry. Uh, um, but as you say, you know, in terms of to take it back to you know to to, to, Nathan, to to Nathan, there's a lot more factors than just money that would have made him, you know, mm. made that decision to play for him. and all the other Pacific Island guys as well. You know, um, money does make it easier, of course it does. Um, but um, but there's a whole lot of things that are, you know, as you said, that backlog that we just spoke about. That um, that's probably part of the factors as well. Yeah. So I mean, we. <laughs> With bringing players over earlier, I mean, I completely agree with you that bringing kids over younger and younger, it does sound on the face of it like it's a bit of a regressive step because, of course, so many things can go wrong. But are you not of the opinion that it could actually help them with their with their development to settle into you know, European culture earlier rather than come over when you're 18 or 20 or 22? It could do, but I think it places a lot more pressure on the uh, on the agents to to step up and um, do a lot more work than they're you know than they're currently doing. And again, that's a generalisation. There's a lot of agents who do very good work, um, but um, you know, there's a whole lot of things. You know, um, us being, as I said, you know, being very family orientated uh, yeah. is a good thing for people away. You know, take people away from their parents um, at, at a young age, and um, um, you know. If, Again, if, if it's possibly it might be financially good for them, um, but socially, you know, what, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's questions to be answered there, um, you know, in terms of just not their short-term development, but the long-term as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, 
you know some of the cases that you hear that you hear of of, of in France are just guys haven't been able to you know to adjust um, into you know into situations and these are you know these are guys you know sort of in their in their early twenties so to chuck you know to chuck Dean fourteen or fifteen year old into that same scenario would be yeah. again, massively massively irresponsible we, I don't think we know enough. Um, about you know about the outcomes of, of of the situation to be able to just say okay we're going to change the eligibility laws without properly looking into it. I completely or, agree with that. I, I mean, I, I actually think it's borderline. I mean, it, there's certainly a, a nationalist tinge to it, but you know, it's very irresponsible actually to say oh well we're just going to change the criteria because people that are coming over and playing for say France. I mean, I think mm. France could put out a Pacific Islands sevens team now, quite comfortably. Uh, they just haven't thought through the issues. And actually, if you are supporting a village back home and home unions are not supporting, it's a completely reasonable thing to do. It is. And, you know, as I said earlier, the, the writing's on the wall. Um, we had a guy take his life four weeks ago, and he's the third Pacific Island, you know, Pacific Island player, you know, rugby player to 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 to, to do so, you know, in the last since 2013. So um, if the if, if that's if that's not a big enough warning sign, you know, to to the powers that be, um, that we're not prepared actually, you know, to, to to be making these steps. We're actually not even, you know, um, dealing with the current situation well enough to be able to think about, you know, you know. Implementing a a, a a a system that's going to bring people over younger, then um, you know, then um, we've got a lot of work on our hands to, to you know to to, to, to I guess um, enlighten people to that situation. In football, there's often a situation where you might literally get a coachload of lads from say Africa or somewhere less developed going to a European club, going for trials and just never and just never making it. Is there a similar situation with the with the islands that? People going over to try and make it, and then get and then getting rejected. Yeah, happens all the time. Um, you know, they um, and they end up just going lower and lower down the leagues until they um, eventually, you know, find um, someone who who you know um, you know pay them to you know to, to live in some sort of way. And you know, that can be for you know for a for a hundred quid a, a week, you know, or or less um, in a lot of instances. And uh, these are the guys that you know really struggle. I, I think, um, and the guys that we really want to be able to reach out to and provide, you know, at least a minimum amount of, of, of service to them. You know, um, you know, if they if they, you know, require insurance or even, you know, um, a, you know, they might have a problem with the law or something like that. They should, you know, at least have, you know, direction that they can be pointed into, you know, to, to to help them out. But um, at the moment, there's a lot, a lot of kids over there um, around the place that, um, you know, and, and more and more that I'm becoming aware of. Who are you know who real, really struggle in those kind of scenarios? Um, they just have no you know they're, they're in helpless situations. They have no um, no way out. So since you started up your organisation, can you give me some specific examples of stories which have particularly shocked you? The, yeah, I mean the, the nature of it is is with you know as you can imagine with um, you know sort of about five or six hundred Pacific Island players over Europe. Um, a lot of you know a lot of the issues are you know obviously we've spoken about some of the extreme extreme situations mm-hmm. where you know, depression and lack of engagement and, you know, um, ways that we address, you know, mental health and stuff like that. Um, but financially, you know, a lot of the guys, um, you know, um, uh, are struggling financially just with, it, you know, um, and it comes down to two things, you know, that pressure that comes from home and also a lack of education. Yeah. Um, you know, um, guys that have been asked to help, with, you know, work through their finances. You know, there's all sorts of, you know, um, um, high interest loans, uh, you know, those advanced payday loans sort of, sort of type structures that are just, you know, bleeding them dry. Um, so, you know, just being able to consolidate those, you know, those sorts of debts and, you know, go to the club and say, look, can we have a, a month's advance so we can clear this guy's debt so they actually have, have a lot more money to live off. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a real common example, you know, that happens, that's happened a lot. Um, so yeah, sorry, I can't give you really specific. No, that's on, you know, sort, of, sort of cases, but you know, there's, there's there's lots of different. You know, it's a big moving uh, sort of, um, I guess, uh, operation. Trying to, you know, the more the more you dig, the more issues sort of, sort of come up. Um, I've said it before. You know, it's almost like the, you know, the like a, like an onion that you just, you know, you just never get. You know, you're peeling and you just never get to the bottom of. Um, but um, hopefully, you know, we can we can sort of build this this organisation and start, you know, addressing the ones, you know, the issues that we can. Um, but uh, as, as, as you know, it's, a, it's a hard to know where to start sometimes. <laughs> the thing you've done marvellously today is you've just highlighted the differences. I mean, outside of the love of rugby, the two cultures could not could not be further apart. 
Yeah, they are, and you know, and I think the the, the beauty of it is that you know the, it's the sport, you know, and the love for the sport that brings us together. And uh, in, in, in my you know in my encounters so far, I've had hundreds of people, you know, um, individuals, you know, come and ask, you know, how can we get involved? How can we help? You know, English people just see it for what it is and just you know want to give you know want to help these guys out and you know love the fact that you know a lot of the you know the you know the biggest moments in world rugby have been provided by this this people group and uh, yeah. and an understanding of the fact you know that we've got a lot of hurdles in front of us you know to try and you know um you know i guess you know get parity and you know have we're still fighting for that equal playing field in a lot of ways but um my you know my you know i guess what drives me is the fact that i know we haven't even hit the potential of you know what we could be as uh, you know as Pacific Island players uh, you know some of us have but you know for for the majority of guys there's you know there's still a lot a lot left in the tank and if we can unlock that through all of the stuff that we spoke about you know it's uh, there's some exciting times um, ahead on Twitter I follow mm. you're gonna have to help me with his name Elliot um Oh. Elliot uh, Fuimasapolu, yeah. Elliot yes. Fuimano Sapolu, yeah. Now he, <laughs> Even I struggle with it. Yeah. Now, let's put it, he's an effervescent character. Uh, do you think his approach um, to, uh, I guess I guess I could say, politics or, you know, the issues facing the islands, do, do you think that is constructive or or not? Uh, I think... I went to school with Ellie. Uh, no, I'm not. You know, really, re- really respect me. He's a, he's a good mate of mine. Yeah. Um, sometimes I don't necessarily agree with the, uh, you know, the way that he gets um, his message across. Um, but he gets it across, you know. Um, and, and that's, you know, um, I guess there's a, there's an argument, you know, that's, uh, I guess his, you know, his, his point of view will be, you know, any any press is good press. Mm. Um, and that's, um, and sometimes that's, you know, that's probably the case. I guess my approach, you know, is, is, a, is a lot more subtle than that. And uh, I think um, in, in life you need, you need both both types of people, you know, someone that will, you know, call a spade a spade and, and, and other people, you know, they'll just, you know, be uh, a little bit, you know, a bit more political in their, in their approach. Um and at times, you know, I've, I've felt like I'm um, doing taking the same approach as him, and you know, sort of, you know, um, and, and you get frustrated because that's the nature of uh, of Pacific. You know, a lot of these issues that we've spoken about, are, you know, are, you know, um, are very frustrating. Um, and as I said, you know, we um, traditionally we we haven't been um, we're not a people group that uh, that um, I guess verbalise ourselves, and we just we just bottle that frustration in, and then you know, it gets to the point where it boils over and it comes out in a you know in a I guess in an unruly um, type of fashion sometimes, and you know sometimes you see that with Eliotta, and sometimes you know he's you know, he'd be the first to you know to to admit that he you know sometimes he, he gets it wrong, um, yeah. but um, but um, you know it's uh, it's horses for courses really. I mean um, sometimes you know the issues. I'd say you know um, I'd say you know a lot of the time I do agree with you know the issues and the things that he says, but yeah, as I said, I probably wouldn't say it in the way that he does, but that's for him and uh, you know uh, and, and not for me. <laughs> I think your approach is as measured and as effective as it possibly could be. And you're a brilliant ambassador for just getting these problems out there and explaining them. I mean, I think a lot of this is the work like you are doing and just this clarity and, and honesty in how you explain explain the situation. No, and there's not, I guess being angry is not going to get us anywhere. You know, these, uh, um, we want to keep people on board and we want to, you know, we don't want to lose the, uh, you know, the, the rugby public. And I think it's important that, um, you know, that um, it's not just the Pacific Island issue. Pacific Islands, you know, the, the, the issues of Pacific Island rugby are world rugby, you know, a world, you know, I think there's, Everybody in world rugby wants, you know, whether they be, you know, working for the organisation or your fans or players themselves, you know, everybody wants to see the Pacific Islands do well. It's good for for the game, and there's a feel good factor around, you know, around, you know, around the players and that humility and you know um, yeah. and respect that we that we associate ourselves with, and and that's got to be central to uh, to everything that that we do moving forward. And um, you know, um, it's definitely my approach. You know, and uh, and a lot of guys' approaches. You know, it will be it will be non-reflective of, of of the people that we represent. To you know, to to you know, to to you know, to to act in any other way. You know, we've got to be calm and collected about and our thoughts about it. And, and politically, you know, massive, it's massively. Uh, you know, um, it's it's like anyway it's not that's not just in professional sports. That's all walks of life. You've got to um, you've got to pe- keep people on side and. Um, and try and um, you know um, you know um, I guess work together to uh, to find solutions as opposed to seeing um, creating an us and them mentality which is never going to get us anywhere yeah. I don't think. Well, Dan, I, I've got to say I think you do an absolutely marvelous job. 
and I wish Thank you, you very much. all the best with the project that you're embarked on. Where can we find you on can we find you on, on Twitter, Dan? I think it's PI Rugby Players Welfare. I'll 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 I'll, I'll send you a link on Twitter so yeah. that you can uh, maybe maybe uh, tag us in. We certainly um, will. We certainly into will. The, into into the podcast, and then uh, yeah, now it'll be great to, to for people to you know to give us a follow because we want to. We've got big uh, dreams for this organisation, but we just need as uh, much support as we can. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, there he is uh, Dan Leal. I've got to say, a podcast which was dealt with a few issues a bit heavier than we're used to, but I learned an awful lot. And thank you so much to Dan for spending his time talking to us because I found that incredibly useful, and I hope that you guys did too. Uh, if you want to show uh, a little bit of love to Dan and his organisation, go follow him on Twitter, go and give him a few retweets. And actually, whilst you're at it, you can do a bit of housekeeping for us as well. Follow us on Twitter, the usual handles apply. And also, why not give us a quick review on iTunes as well? Next couple of weeks, uh, I'm not entirely sure what order things are going to happen. You're definitely going to get your Canterbury interview. That's going to be maybe, maybe Friday morning. Uh, and after that, we are back on to rugby players. I've got a South African journalist coming on, which is going to be good. I should have Chris Pennell on soon, which is exciting. Uh, Jamal Ford-Robinson from Bristol. Uh, maybe even Alex Corbett-Sierra calling in. So some kind of order from those four expect something and you should have your Canterbury interview as a little bit of an interim extra podcast uh, maybe on Friday so until next week thank you very much for listening thank you for subscribing and if you want to recommend this please do I will see you next week bye bye ACAST powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.